Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In the Old Testament, Esther is a sweet book, covering as its central subject the secret care and the open salvation of the hiding God in Israel's captivity. God is omnipresent and also omnipotent, yet he is hiding. Nobody knows where he is. We will only devote two life study programs to Esther, which were actually from only one speaking by Witness Lee. So stay with us and don't miss out on this sweet and wonderful picture in Esther of God's care for his people in captivity. This is Matt Miller with Bill Lawson. Bill, we've got a really sweet program today, don't we? That's a good word, sweet and pleasant. I think Witness Lee will use that later in the program. He likens it to Swiss chocolate. (laughs) So stay with us today for some real Swiss chocolate in this radio program. Bill, today's the first of two life studies, okay, like I said, from Esther. and But before we go to Esther, let's take a little stop and use the first part of the program to do a little review. I promised the listeners a review of this recovery period because we just finished Ezra and Nehemiah, which were the recovery books of the Bible. Let's do a little review at the beginning of this program. Uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah have a particular place there in the Old Testament because they're entitled recovery books, because they give us a history of God's people in the Old Testament who were taken captive to Babylon. And then, of course, the Babylonians were conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. And it's a real sad part of Israel's history in that they, they were taken away from the good land, their nation. The temple was destroyed. They were all taken away captivity. And God raises up some particular individuals who are in captivity, ones like Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and some others who take the lead to bring a remnant back to the good land, back to Jerusalem, in order to rebuild the temple and eventually to rebuild the wall of the city of Jerusalem. So in that sense, the Lord raised up ones like Zerubbabel, who was a governor. He took the lead to come back first. He had a first group that he brought back, mainly to establish the nation as far as uh, governing, as far as administration, and so on. Then there was a second group that came back through Ezra. Ezra, of course, was a priest and a skillful scribe, so he was used by the Lord to re-educate the nation of Israel, to bring them back to the law of Moses, because Israel was in captivity for years. They were constituted with another kind of education. So he brought back a re-education to the nation of Israel. And then eventually Nehemiah was raised up by the Lord to come back to build the wall of the city of Jerusalem, which would then protect the temple to protect God's interests at that time. So we have these two or three main leaders who were used by the Lord in this 70-year period of captivity. At the end of the captivity, they brought back the people to the good land to rebuild the temple and also to rebuild the wall of the city of Jerusalem. So it's very, very important 
uh, in history and also in typology because it really it typifies that today most of God's people have, in a sense, been captured away from Christ because the good land of Israel is a type of Christ. So in that sense, we've been carried away from the enjoyment of Christ, uh, from the riches of Christ. So not that many believers today really enjoy the full riches of Christ because the world, the self, the flesh, so many other things have, have taken the believers away from the rich enjoyment of Christ. So we need to come back to the enjoyment of Christ. You know, Bill, this matter of the recovery or the recovery books is especially important to this ministry. We have a Bible called the Recovery Version, and people say, is is that for recovering alcoholics? No, it's the recovery of God's people from the captivity, from being taken away from Christ that you're talking about. And that's why it has such a special meaning to us in this ministry. And let's go to Witness Lee, and we'll come back for a little more fellowship. What is the most central crucial point of these two recovery books? Let me tell you, that is a proper, adequate leadership. Three leaders are mentioned. Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. If you compare these three leaders with all the judges in the book of Judges, more than ten, and you consider all the kings in the two Samuels, two kings, two chronicles, close to forty kings, you see, one is dark, black record from the Judges to the second chronicle. That record is record of misery. Black, dark. Do you compare that record with the record of these two books, Ezra and Nehemiah? These two books are full of light, bright. Then the former record, dark, black in what? In leadership, in the judgehood, in the kingship. But in these two, Recovery books. The leadership is bright, shining. My, what is shining that was growing on from the Rebbe to Ezra to reach the highest in Nehemiah. I would say in the whole world, in the past history of humankind, the top leader is Nehemiah. It is this kind of leadership that can institute a people to be the divine institution and to be the testimony of God, expressing God on this earth, which is absolutely different from all the other gentle nations. This heart God wanted among Israel. And this is also what God wanted in the church. Bill, I want to focus on this last phrase. This is what God wanted in Israel, and this is what also God wanted in the church. So I think if we could talk a little bit about the contrast to the leaders 
there in the Old Testament to Nehemiah and how it applies to today, that would be helpful. Uh, right, uh, Matt. When you look at the history of the nation of Israel, you really have to realize that it is just a type there of what the Lord is after in the church age of the proper church leaders, because the nation of Israel, we know, is a type of the church, the body of Christ. So when you look at those leaders in the Old Testament history, especially during the time of judges, the times of the kings, the majority of those leaders were not proper They were either involved in selfishness, in a lot of lust, fornication, improper leadership. So you really have not a good situation there through the judges, through the kings. You have Saul. You have David involved in lust. Uh, in murder, you have Solomon in, involved in uh, also his uh, the number of wives and concubines. Eventually, God came in and judged the situation. So when you look at all those leaders of the nation of Israel over all the centuries, it is not a bright situation. And of course, again, it's a type of what the Lord is after today. You know, when the early church began at the time of Jerusalem, and even up to today, the history of the church in the last 20 centuries, Matt, probably you could say is a history of degradation, of apostasy, of the leaders taking the Lord's people, you know, away from the proper standing, the proper testimony, and so on. So here, at the end of the Old Testament here, you have these remarkable leaders that Brother Lee talked about. You have Zerubbabel, you know, the kingship. You have Ezra representing the priesthood and and the scribe. You have uh, Nehemiah representing one who is a proper one to bring the Lord's people back to a proper situation of recovery. So when you contrast those improper leaders of Israel to the leaders of Nehemiah, Ezra, and Zerubbabel, uh, you really have a contrast there. And the Lord today, for the building up of the church, Matt, he needs the proper leaders in the church today who are proper, who are pure, who are undefiled, who care for the people. So there's a real background here that we need to realize. Bill, that's a great summary. And I appreciate your contrast. On the one hand, you said that church history is full of apostasy and, and improper leaders, yet at the same time, there is an example of some who are proper. And uh, those were the ones who were leading the Lord's recovery at that time. And the Lord has a recovery. There's been a recovery ever since the initial apostasy in the church. The Lord's recovery actually started in the first century with the apostles. And all the way, especially with Martin Luther, there has been some all through the centuries who have been the proper leaders in the Lord's recovery. That's true. Well, Bill, let's now move on to the book of Esther, which Witness Lee calls the sweetest book in the whole Bible. I think that's really true. Let's go there now. Esther is the most sweet book in the Bible. Very sweet sweeter than Swiss chocolate. (laughs) So, (laughs) Esther is the cause of American dessert. Very sweet. And the sweetness of this dessert is the secret care. This book covers a care, secret care, and the open salvation, the care is secret, the salvation is open, of the hiding God. God is hiding. He is omnipresent. 
he is also omnipotent, yet nobody knows where is he. He's hiding. Why? Look, so many Israel people were scattered in their dispersion, in their captivity. They told people that their God is Jehovah. But eventually, those great empire people would say, where is your Jehovah? Is your Jehovah living? Is your Jehovah real? If it is, why you are here? To be my slave. Where is your God? God is hiding. The story is very interesting. The hiding God. Our God, even today, the church age is the age for God to hide himself. It seems that there's no God in this universe. Look, look. Is there God? How could be this? How could be that? But there is God hiding. Yes, he disciplined his people. He punished his degraded people due to their rottenness. He couldn't tolerate them a bit. So he gave them up and handed them over to the gentle nations as slaves. Yes, this is true. He did it. Yet, there is some amount of mercy. In the uh, dispersion of the captivity of Israel, God was hiding there to follow them, to take care of them, at the right time to save them. Okay, Bill, we've come to the Swiss chocolate of the hiding God, saving God's people in the book of Esther. It seems sometimes in our experience that there's no God in the entire universe, but he really is still there, isn't he? He's just hiding. He's really there, Matt. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's sovereign. He's there. He's working uh, behind the scenes in a hidden way. Even Isaiah in chapter 45 says that he's a God who hides himself. It's not easy for us to understand, but I think he delights in doing that. Even Watchman E wrote a book with that title. You're right. Uh, especially in, in captivity. The Israelites are in a miserable situation. They're in captivity. Uh, they're oppressed by the nations, by the Medo-Persians, by the Babylonians, and so on. Yet God is still there with his people, and he's working with them. And many times, like you say, Matt, in our own personal situation, it's as if God is not there. Sometimes we try to talk to him, we try to commune with him, we want to see him and all these things, and it seems like he's not doing anything for my situation. Maybe we want him to, to help us out of our situation or provide something for us or do something for us. And it seems he's not there, but believe me, he is there. And you can imagine what the captive Israelites were going through, having been disciplined by God to be punished by the nations. And here they're in captivity. They're off the land. Some have been able to come back. But by and large, the whole situation is not that good. Yet God is there working behind the scenes, and he's providing an Esther, and he's providing different ones in a hidden way. He's caring for his people in a hidden way. Eventually, the Lord will manifest his care in an outward way, and that's just a matter of time. You know, you can really see his care 
at the end of Esther coming out in a wonderful way as in the recovery books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra, in the recovery version of the Old Testament here in front of me, it has the time of the writing at the Mm. beginning of each book. And the time the book of Ezra was written was 457 B.C. The time that the book of Nehemiah was written was 433 B.C. Well, Esther was written in 474 B.C., just 17 years before the Lord's recovery started back. So Mm. it seemed like a very desperately bad situation in Esther. The situation was very difficult, but God was there caring for his people. That's really so. I'm glad you pointed out the the history there. Uh, He's there working behind the scenes, and eventually his hidden care became a somewhat an open care where the Jews were saved from extermination here. Uh, We know Haman uh, tried to come in and exterminate them, and of course that would have uh, brought in the loss of the lineage for Christ to have been born in the proper line at the time that he was born. We're going to get into that more in the next radio program, Bill, but let's go on to to today's conclusion and more of this matter of the hiding God in this sweet picture. Here's Witness Lee for the conclusion. You know, Zechariah chapter 1 shows us well, the captivity of Israel was in the lowest situation. Christ was among them. While the captives of Israel were suffering, Christ was also suffering with them. The hiding God was with Israel. The hiding God was taking care of Israel. You gentle nations, Babylon, Middle Persia, my discipline is not a stouter, just a little spanking, and I have the limit of my spanking. Whoever among you, the four emperors, went too far beyond my limitation of my spanking, I overthrew you. Babylon was too, too, too much. So that empire didn't last too long. In short time, it was overthrown. Then Persian came up. Persian, you know, the first king, Cyrus, in Isaiah, was called God's servant. Cyrus was a good servant of God, to serve God's purpose. But God did the limitation altogether in a secret way. Nebuchadnezzar, you persecute my people too, too much, so I would stop you. So God was doing all these caring things in secret. Not openly, but when the need came in time, God delivered them, saved them openly. Bill, there's a lot of radio programs out there, or at least a few, that tell the story of Esther, which is really an amazing story, and it tells a story that Hollywood could never do even if they tried. I mean, this is the greatest 
story of drama. I encourage everyone to go read it. It takes less than an hour. Go read the book of Esther. Don't presume that you really know the story. But to tell the story doesn't necessarily give you the intrinsic significance behind the story that the life study through Witness Lee is bringing our listeners. I'm glad you mentioned that, Matt, because we can quickly read through those 10 chapters of Esther and be impressed about the story of the queen, uh, Vashti, you know, she's uh, deposed, and then the Lord sovereignly brings up Esther, and then people are saved from extermination. So that could be quite an inspiring story and so on, just to, like, touch our emotions. And it is. Right. But as you're saying, Matt, underneath this, this whole account in these 10 chapters of Esther, you have God here, a sovereign God, a caring God, who really cares for his people. He allowed them to be carried off the land because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief, because of their corruption and idolatry. But that was merely, like Brother Lee said, that was merely a spanking, a kind of a discipline, a discipline of a father with his son. A father just doesn't wipe out his children when they do something wrong. He just disciplines and spanks them a little bit out of love and care. He's caring for them as he's disciplining them in the same way God really cares for his people, the nation of Israel, but he has to discipline them based on what they've done. Yet what happens many times, the nations, like Brother Lee said, you have Babylon, you have the Medo-Persian Empire, you have Greece, you have Rome, and so on. These nations went too far with God's people, and they did more than discipline. They severely punished the Israelites. So God cares came in, and he had reacted, and he had to severely deal with the nations because they were going overboard in their treatment of his people Israel. So there's a lot of lessons here. And I think uh, an application of that today to us is, if God would overthrow entire nations in the Old Testament because they dealt too severely in the punishment of God's people, how much more God is operating today in a hidden way and in a secret way to care for his people today. He cares for you. As you're going through whatever situation you're going through right now, you may be going through suffering that is almost unbearable for you, similar to the suffering that God's people were going through. God knows that. God is there. He's the hidden God. He may be hidden to you, but be assured God is there, and he will care for you in a big way. That's really so, Matt. I'm glad you're speaking these words. He's a caring God. We have to see it. He's not a judging God here. He's not out to get us. He's a God of care, but he cares for us in his way. We expect God to care for us in our way, that he would do something for us, that he would give us something, that he would sympathize with us. But many times, a long period of time goes by, and we don't sense, we think, he's not there, he's not for me, but really, he is caring for us. And in due time, Outwardly and openly, God will manifest his care for us in ways that we do not expect. Well, we hope you've been touched by our program today, Bill. We've run out of time, so we're going to have to stop. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. And uh, we go through situations, and we just forget that God is there. But I hope today's program has reminded you of the hidden God, drawn your attention back to the hidden God, because that's the God that's never mentioned in Esther but is really there. That's the God we hope you could uh, be touched with and find through our radio program today. If you'd like to get some printed materials, you can call us at 
Life Study. That's 1-888-543-3788. You know, even if you don't want to get the printed materials, you can still call that number or send us a, a note. We love to hear from you. We love to hear what your response is to what we're saying. We hate that this would be just a monologue. We'd like to have a dialogue, not just a, a one-way communication over the radio. That's why we give our phone number, our address, our email, so you can contact us and let us know what the Lord's doing in you as you listen to these radio programs. Our email address is radio at lsm.org, and our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. On behalf of Bill Lawson, this is Matt Miller. Thank you very much for being with us for the last half hour. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164. That's 1-800-549-5164.